We begin the season of Advent today in the life of the church after spending most of this year in celebration from the season of Easter when we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, moving on to Pentecost when we celebrate the gift of the Holy Spirit, which empowered Jesus' followers to carry on his ministry of love and healing, which they do. And as we examine that in the Gospels, we also remember our call as the Church of Christ to continue to do God's work, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Advent is most often associated with joy over all of these things. But the reality is, this season begins with some despair. Because in spite of the work of the Holy Spirit, and the very best intentions of the people of God, the world is still broken. In Advent, we voice our hope that Christ will soon come again to restore all things. In Advent, we join our faith ancestors in their hope, as they too longed for a Savior to come and redeem the world from bondage and to rule with justice and love for all forever. As we listen for God's word of hope for us today, in the scriptures read and proclaimed, let us pray for illumination. Holy wisdom, instruct us by the light of your word. Illumine our hearts that we may come to know you more clearly, to love you more dearly, and follow you more nearly. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Our scripture lesson today is from the Older Testament, the book of Exodus, chapter 12. In the course of the night, Pharaoh summoned Aaron and Moses and said, Go, leave us, you and your Israelites, leave. Worship your God as you requested, take your herds and flocks as you said, and go, and bless me as well. The Egyptians urged the Israelites to leave the country quickly, saying, we're all going to die. So they shouldered their bowls of unleavened dough wrapped in cloaks. The Israelites, as Moses had told them, had asked their neighbors for items of gold, silver, and clothing, because God had made the Egyptians favorably disposed to the Israelites. They readily gave them whatever they asked for. In this way, they plundered Egypt. That night, the Israelites, about 600,000 families, set out from Ramses for Succoth. A mixed crowd accompanied them, as well as numerous flocks and vast herds. They baked cakes with the unleavened dough they had brought out of Egypt. There had been no time to bring leavening, because they had rushed out of Egypt without even opportunity to prepare food for their journey. The length of time the Israelites had stayed in Egypt was 430 years. And on that last day of that 430th year, all the hosts of God's people left the land of Egypt. This is a night for God to keep watch, to bring the Israelites out of the land of Egypt. This is this night for God to be kept as a night of vigil to God by all Israelites in every generation. This is the word of God for us. 
The Israelites have lived in Egypt for 430 years. And over those centuries, as the population of Israel swelled, the pharaohs, Egypt's rulers, began to fear that one day Israel would overtake the Egyptians. So Egypt began to systematically enslave the Israelites, and by the time of Moses, they were powerless. The pharaohs subjected Israel to heavier and heavier forced labor until Israel cried for freedom, and God heard their cries, and God sent Moses to tell Pharaoh to let God's people go. Pharaoh refused. So, as the story tells us, God sent ten plagues upon the Egyptians. After suffering through the first nine, Pharaoh still refused to free Israel. A tenth plague was sent, a deadly one, when God passed over every house and killed every firstborn of Egypt, both persons and animals, from prisoners to the Pharaoh's own son who sat on the throne. Loud wailing filled the air throughout Egypt as every Egyptian household experienced death that night. And this brings us up to our passage today, when Pharaoh begs Moses to leave and take every less Israelite with him. The Israelites did not know they would be leaving Egypt that night. They were in the dark about those details. So when Moses and Aaron, carrying out God's command, told Israel to get up and to take only their bread bowls and their dough and wrap it in a coat and put it on their backs, they were shocked. They had no idea they were going to leave right then and there. On their way out of their homes, they asked their Egyptian neighbors for gold and silver and clothing to sustain them. And unlike the Pharaoh, these Egyptians were friends of theirs. They were kind, and they gave Israel all they asked for. So all of Israel left that day with little warning, slaves one day and free the next. Life as they knew it had ended, and something quite new had begun. If the Israelites had known in advance, I wonder how they would have prepared for their journey would they have made sure they had risen bread dough ready instead of the unleavened dough? Would they have packed a big bag full of more food, maybe some family heirlooms or their favorite books? And if they knew they'd be wandering in the wilderness for the next 40 years, would they have tried to pile all their possessions on their donkey carts or on their backs and try to take it with them? Back on a particular day in March 2020, life as we knew it ended in some ways. One day we're carrying out our routines, going to work, to school, running our errands, going out for dinner, having play dates, planning vacations. And the next day we're in lockdown, quarantining, sheltering in place with much of the world as the COVID-19 pandemic flourished. Even though the news kept us informed and we watched and listened as the virus spread, as country after country closed its borders, 
as the virus got closer and closer to home, as we found ourselves stocking up on toilet paper, still, in many ways, we were in the dark, caught off guard by that, by that sudden shutdown. We could not have known all that would mean for our lives. Had you known what was coming, that much of the world would shut down, that your life would halt or be drastically redirected, what would you have done differently to prepare? How would you have lived differently up until that time? How would your priorities have shifted? The Israelites left with just a little dough on their backs because they had to act fast. If you knew back in March what you know now, what would you put in your pack for the unknown journey ahead? A story of my own about being in the dark, about life changing in an instant, comes to mind to me today. And I've shared about this in the past. My family's first home was a big old farmhouse on our family fruit farm. And one November morning, about three or four o'clock in the morning, while we were all sleeping in our upstairs bedrooms, a fire started in our living room below. By the time the smoke woke us up, the fire had spread too much for us to safely exit our house by going down the stairs. So my parents rushed us four kids to my brother's bedroom in the front of the house. My mom broke the big picture window that was painted shut, and mom and dad helped us kids onto the snowy roof. Mom huddled us kids at that time, age four to eight years old, under some blankets from my brother's bed while my dad climbed down the poles of the porch to get a ladder from our barn. He came back and we all rushed down, got into our car, and drove to my aunt and uncle's house down the road. We left our home with only the pajamas we were wearing and a few blankets. There was no time to even think about taking anything else with us, about preparing for anything that might lie ahead. When the Israelites had to flee Egypt with little warning, God instructed them to only take that dough in their baking pans. God knew that that was enough for the start. Even though Israel could not know that for sure and had a lot of trouble trusting God, from day to day. But God had manna in mind, that bread from heaven that showed up like dew every morning. And knowing Israel would cry in fear of not having enough, and knowing they would forget the hell of slavery and beg to go back to Egypt where they could at least meet, eat, eat meat again, God had in mind to send quail to satisfy them. And when Israel cried out in thirst as they wandered the desert, God had in mind for Moses to bring forth sweet water from a rock to quench their parched mouths. That day they left Egypt, God knew what Israel was still in the dark about, that they did not need to pack much for their journey, that God would take care of them, 
leading them by a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. And in a two steps forward, one step back fashion, in the midst of their doubt, the Israelites grew in faith in their God. They came to trust in the word of God as the sole food that they truly knew they needed to, to nourish their spirits. And they came to rely upon God's words, God's promises. Like this word in Deuteronomy 30, where God tells them, The instructions I give you are not too difficult for you, nor are they beyond your reach. No, my word is very near to you. It is in your mouth. It is in your heart so that you can keep it. When the dough ran out, God provided over and over, assuring God's children again and again that God is faithful. My family would lose everything in that house fire. Moments after we arrived to my aunt and uncle's that morning, while it was still dark, the neighbors from all around started showing up as they learned the news. They came with tears of relief and big hugs to find us okay. They came with bags and bags of clothing and food. And my school organized a food drive for us. Like their Egyptian neighbors who showed the Israelites' love and showered them with silver and gold and clothing to help them on their way, our community sustained us until my family could get back on our feet. And what I came to know about the night of that fire was that my mom and dad took with them the only thing that mattered, us kids. And that while my dad ran for a rescue letter, my mom covered us kids with more than blankets on that snowy rooftop. She covered us in prayer as she cried out to God for our care and for a light to guide us in the darkness. The year 2020, with the pandemic and all the lives lost and affected by it, with the local and global political situation, with record-breaking numbers of natural disasters. 2020 has left many of us feeling like we're constantly in the dark, not knowing what will come next or what may come to an end and when. Perhaps we're learning just how fragile life is and how far finite our situations and our time on earth are, and how truly precious is any love we give and receive. Given these and other truths that we now know that we couldn't see so clearly before 2020, how are we living differently today? What do we put in our daily backpacks for life? For some of us, packing for a journey is the hardest part, belaboring every choice, not knowing what to take, not wanting to overpack, but to be prepared for anything. On some trips, I have carried this. This ginormous backpack. 
I have filled it so full at times I could hardly lift it, let alone get it on my back by myself, trying to shoulder its weight or make it fit on public transportation always interfered with my ability to be present and to enjoy wherever I was. And it was not uncommon to get home to discover I only used half of what was in there. The rest was unnecessary burden. Maybe you can relate. So what's in our packs today? What are we shouldering? Are our packs so full we can hardly move? I wonder if God's invitation to us today is to travel more lightly. Maybe instead of thinking we have to be prepared for everything, we take only a nylon string backpack, like this one, with only the essentials inside. Maybe we put inside our faith, our rock of faith, in God, our rock and salvation. Maybe we also put in some photos of those we love, our family, and all of God's saints who have helped us on our journey here on earth. And maybe we put in some scripture passages, like this one from the Gospel of Matthew, where Jesus says, Remember, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus also says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for my yoke is easy and my burden very light. Our scripture story ends with God keeping vigil over God's beloved children, Israel, keeping watch over them that night as God led them to freedom. And our scripture ends with God giving a decree for all generations to remember that first Passover and to bake and eat unleavened bread in remembrance and to continue to keep vigil for God to break into the dark with transforming love again. And this is our hope too. This is what we watch and wait for in Advent, for that light that shines in the darkness, that the darkness does not overcome. Thanks be to God.